You're listening to Kyle Warren. You know, do you recall just recently when President Biden told us that Democrats had made everybody's lives better and the economy was going and, you know, they're just going to go out there and tax the rich. And I guess they're talking about, what, a 39.6 top rate at this point? And that's really a significant jump. I got to tell you, folks, do you feel better thinking that these new taxes are going to come along and there's going to continually be all this spending and spending and spending, which isn't inflationary at all? And anybody who talks about, well, maybe getting a rain on this spending, that they're somehow kind of crackpots. I don't know, folks. Doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Stay with us, folks. All right, welcome everyone around the globe and across the net. Kyle Warren with you, and welcome to the program today. It is the Thursday, March the 9th edition of the Kyle Warren Show. Glad to be with you, of course, and we have so much to tell you about on the program today. Don't forget, you can go to kylewarrenshow.com. That's kylewarrenshow.com, and there you can find out more about the program. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can send me a direct message, all that and much more right there at Kyle Warren show.com and of course welcome to all the listeners finding this program from my appearances nightly on the captain's america third watch radio program that's the captain's america third watch radio program with host captain matt bruce which emanates from his flagship station of am860 the answer there in tampa florida going out along the gcn network and many salem radio stations as well and of course uh, all that happens at 11 p.m pacific 2 a.m eastern time six nights a week and uh, we hope that you can uh, join us there as well uh, simply go to kylewarrenshow.com that's kylewarrenshow.com for links to listen live to the captain's america third watch and you'll hear me and the captain bringing you all of the latest news all of the political news of the day and of course breaking news as it happens across america and across the world you'd be surprised uh, how much news breaks in the overnight hours and if you're listening to me and the captain you're going to hear about it first. All right. So once again, welcome to the show. We have an awful lot to talk about on the program today. Well, interest rates, of course, are of absolute concern. Uh, we're seeing many, of course, in the markets. We're seeing individuals. Uh, in fact, uh, if you know a mortgage broker, go talk to them and find out about how their business might be doing right now because, of course, the uh, the rising rates uh, are making it very, very difficult for people to refinance or take out a home equity loan. And a lot of that business, of course, is drying up. And I think overall... When that kind of business dries up, what else starts to dry up? You know, the the contracting work. People take out these uh, home equity loans or refinance so that they can get money, so they can, in many times, improve their homes. And so it's going to have that, you know, that trickle-down effect, I suppose. And that's not a good thing uh, because we need a vibrant economy. We need a, an economy that uh, that is organically strong. And uh, right now we've got the Fed, of course, uh, appearing to signal that there's going to be more interest rate hikes. Uh, the markets, of course, reacting to that. And also the notion that by the time we get through this year into the middle of this year that we could be looking at 6 percent. 
uh, is really going to have a cooling effect. This from Newsmax today. Wall Street's three major stock indexes closed considerably lower Thursday, with bank stocks creating the biggest drag, while investors worried that Friday's jobs report uh, could spur aggressive interest rates hikes, interest rate hikes rather, by the Federal Reserve. Here we go again, right? And here's the one thing, folks, that really does get to me. Uh, when we hear the Fed or people talking about the Fed saying, you know, there's, there's got to be pain. You know, the Fed has got to inflict the pain, and if the pain is there, then we're going to get a handle on inflation. Well, to me, folks, this is the absolute opposite way of doing things because we didn't have the inflation that we have right now just a couple of short years ago. Now, I understand you put COVID in the mix and all these things, but generally speaking, the notion of having, number one, energy independence and low-cost energy means that everything else gets cheaper. And by that, I mean that, of course, everything that you and I buy, if we go to the store and if we buy it online, it gets brought to us on a truck, right? And the trucks have to run on fuel. And if the fuel uh, costs are skyrocketing, uh, all that is going to go up from something that you buy online uh, to something you go to the grocery store for, to buy uh, food and milk and eggs and all this. And there's a lot of different aspects I understand in terms of food production and so forth right now. But generally speaking, getting the food to the store where you and I go and get it, if that costs an awful lot more, it's going to cost an awful lot more at the store. All right, so back to the article. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell by 543 points, and the S&P 500's bank index hit its lowest level since October as investors fled the sector after tech industry leader lender rather SVB Financial Group launched a share sale to shore up its balance sheet due to declining deposits from startups struggling for funding. But investors were also stressing out before Friday's U.S. non-farm payrolls report for February with expectations for large wage increases fueling inflation concern. Uh, Fed Chair J uh, Jerome Powell this week exacerbated concerns about upcoming interest rates as he highlighted the battle with high inflation. Traders were betting that chances of a 50 basis point rate hike at the Fed's March meeting were around 60 percent, according to CME Group's FedWatch tool, up sharp up sharply from a profitability of 31% before Powell's Tuesday and Wednesday appearances in Congress. There's a lot of anticipation around tomorrow's jobs report. We're going to get a slew of data in the next week and a half, said Mona Mehan, Mehan, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, senior investment strategist at Edwards Jones, New York, also citing inflation and retail sales reports all due out before the next Fed meeting, which ends March 22nd. Earlier on Thursday, Labor Department data showed initial claims for state unemployment benefits rose 21,000 to a seasonally adjusted 211,000 for the week ended March 4th, compared with economic forecasts for 195,000 claims. But folks, once again, I think that uh, when we look at what's happening, especially to the, to the American consumer, you and me, our neighbors, um, people aren't... Uh, incredibly optimistic. And certainly the uh, rising interest rates is not going to do anybody any good. We need to have the, uh, the, the opportunity and the atmosphere in place to get the economy going uh, on its own in, its, in an organic and a robust way. 
Uh, but if they continue to do what they're doing, I can't imagine that it's going to get any better anytime soon. Quick break, folks. Stay right there. You're listening to Kyle Warren. If you're a veteran looking to file for your service-connected benefits through the Department of Veterans Affairs, don't go it alone. AMVET's highly trained service officers stand ready to walk you through the process at VA regional offices around the country, helping you to navigate the complex VA system free of charge. With new presumptions for Agent Orange exposure and other conditions, AMVETS can offer you the advice you need to finally receive all of your earned benefits. In 2009 alone, AMVETS helped process more than 65,000 claims and appeals, securing more than $410 million in benefits. To find your nearest AMVET service officer or to learn more, visit at amvets.org. Hey, I'm going out to buy those shelves for the closet. Oh, will you pick up 800 lumen bulbs? Honey, I love you, but 800 more flowers? You'll give the neighbors a real reason to think we're wacky. <laughs> Not flower bulbs, light bulbs. Come on, Dad. Lumens tell you how bright a bulb is. Our 60-watt bulbs give off about 800 lumens. We can replace them with new 800 lumen bulbs. Bulbs just as bright that use much less energy. So, we'll save money. Yes, and we can use that money to increase my allowance. Right. (laughs) Wise guy. Worth a try. So, you got that? Got it. No tulips, no watts, 800 lumens, and more savings. He got it. Lumens, the new way to shop for light. Learn more at energysavers.gov. That's energysavers.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Energy. After a long, hard day in the rough-and-tumble world of politics, open a tall, cool Kyle Warren show. Ah, that crisp, refreshing taste. That smooth style. That effervescing attitude. And without all that other stuff that can, well, bog you down. Helping to put back what the daily media assault takes away, listen to The Kyle Warren Show weekdays right here on this station and visit the website at kylewarrenshow.com. the Edwards Notebook. Class is in session with the professor of politics, Kyle Warren. Yes, it is. And thank you very much, Mr. Ron Edwards, for that great intro and liner right there. And folks, welcome back to the program. Don't forget, uh, go to kylewarrenshow.com. That's kylewarrenshow.com. There you can subscribe to the podcast. You can find out more about the program. And you can send me a message as well. Find me on social media. All that and much more right there at kylewarrenshow.com. And I got to tell you, we keep going up and up and up. Just like the music is doing right there. And we have you to thank for that. That is you, the listener. Thank you so much uh, for helping out with the program, for telling your friends about the program, uh, for being there. And it's a great pleasure, of course, uh, to come to you uh, here on this program. And once again, welcome to everybody uh, who's uh, chiming in uh, from hearing me on the Captain's America Third Watch radio program. We're going to be live with Captain Matt Bruce, of course, later on this evening uh, at 11 p.m. Pacific. And that will be 2 a.m. Eastern Time Friday morning uh, if you're in the Eastern Time Zone. And of course, we'll be talking about the weather as well. I'm sitting here in Southern California 
and uh, we're waiting for the rain. But up in Northern California, they're going to get a lot of rain. They're going to get the atmospheric river. Uh, there is there is just no joke about this, folks. Uh, people up in the Northern California areas, uh, they could be in for a very, very different kind of storm. This storm, we understand, is actually a little bit warmer. Uh, therefore, it may not be as much snow at the higher elevation, but there could be rain. And there could also be flooding because of the amount of moisture that's going to come down and, of course, mixing in with the snow. And we could see uh, flooding. We could see the uh, streams and rivers uh, begin to overflow as well downstream. And uh, there could even be some urban flooding, uh, we understand, certain areas. But certainly, if you're going to be coming over Donner Pass up on I-80, uh, coming out of Reno uh, over the next several days, you're going to have uh, snow up on Donner Pass. So do be careful. And uh, I'll give you an update, of course, here on the Captain's America later on. And then, uh, of course, next time here, we'll uh, we'll be able to give you an update as well. Um, okay, so we got a lot more to talk about here on the program today. But before we get uh, to our other subjects, as you heard, I was just mentioning, uh, we'll be on the Captain's America later on uh, this evening. Uh, and, of course, early Friday morning, depending on your time zone. But, of course, Captain Matt Bruce wanted me to tell everybody listening to this program about the good people at MyPillow. That's MyPillow.com. Uh, simply go to MyPillow.com. Scroll down to where you find uh, the radio listener specials page. Now, this is where you're going to start to see all the great products, including the new MyPillow 2.0, uh, including the new slippers. And I think they've even brought back some of the original slippers, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so you can uh, have your choice. And also, of course, you have all the other great things, uh, the Giza sheets. Uh, you can even buy a bed uh, from my pillow. So definitely check them out. And I can vouch for a lot of these products, folks. Everybody in my pro in my family uh, sleeps on a my pillow. Um, I have the, uh, the, uh, the, the slippers, Mrs. Professor. Well, she gave them to me for Christmas. Uh, Mrs. Professor also has a very nice warm pair of my pillow slippers. They do keep our feet warm here at night, especially here in Southern California, where we have had such uh, cold nights uh, throughout this entire uh, time uh, when we've been having all these big storms come through. It gets pretty cold down into the low 40s, down into the low 40s. So it's, it's nothing to sneeze at. And so those my pillow slippers really do work. Also, we sleep on the Giza sheets every night. And let me tell you also about the towel sets. The towel sets are amazing. I don't ever want to get another kind of towel set other than the my pillow towel sets. Uh, so you definitely want to check them out. They do exactly uh, what you see them do on the commercials in the sense that they just absorb. And um, they're also they're also very very large uh, towels as well. So uh, definitely check them out. Uh, they're at MyPillow.com. That's MyPillow.com. Now, when you make your selections and you go to check out, you just got to remember one thing, and that is to use the promo code CAPTAIN. That's the promo code CAPTAIN, and you'll be helping out the Captain's program as well as this program here, and we appreciate it very, very much. And so simply use the promo code CAPTAIN. And if you don't want to go online, put in your credit card number. Uh, you can call the people at MyPillow, and you can dial one 800 641 5459. That's 1-800-641-5459. Tell them what you want. But of course, don't forget, use the promo code CAPTAIN because that is going to be all important. Um, okay, so we got a little bit more here on the economy uh, to talk about. And then we're, we're going to talk about as well some Russian submarines. 
Everything happening in Ukraine right now, of course, is the big focus. But Russia, as well as China, of course, want to project their power around the world. Um, and, of course, I think the beginning sort of unholy alliance, uh, at least in earnest, uh, between Russia and China, uh, especially in regards to Ukraine, I think is very, very concerning. And we may be going into a very, very uncertain time. I hate to say it. I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not trying to be sensationalistic. I'm really not. Um, I, I, I'm not being doom and gloom. Because I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like to do that. I don't, I don't think that that's necessary. But I do think we have to be realistic. I think we have to realize that uh, that uh, Russia and China both have particular designs, um, and uh, what we're seeing happening right now is incredibly, incredibly. Um, uh, concerning. Um, okay, so before we get to all that, again, we'll stick on the economy here for just a little bit longer. Uh, this from Fortune, Mark Andreessen isn't worried about artificial intelligence taking people's jobs the way he sees it. Technological innovation isn't allowed to disrupt to disrupt rather much of the economy anyway. Uh, the co-founder of venture capital giant Andreessen Horowitz laid out his thoughts in his newsletter this last weekend. In a less regulated sectors of the economy, Andreessen argues, technology whips them through, pushing down prices and raising quality every year. Think computer software, cell phone services, and TVs. But in other sectors, technological innovation is, quote, virtually forbidden, he writes. The prices of education, health care, and housing, as well as anything provided or controlled by the government, are going to the moon, even as those sectors are technologically stagnant, he notes. What's more, very little is being done to address this problem, he writes. We are heading, this is really, this is really key. We are heading into a world where flat screen TV, where a flat screen TV that covers your entire wall costs $100. And a four-year education college degree costs $1 million. And nobody has even uh, anything even resembling a proposal on how to systematically fix this. I saw that and I... Um, uh, I knew for for uh, at that moment. I got to talk about this on the program. There's just no doubt about it because it does seem to to, to seem like that, doesn't it? The everybody has this amazing technology um, from all walks of life, right? At least that's the way it seems. But yet, where these big things are concerned, um, like education, like uh, uh, healthcare. These kinds of things, these continue, as Andreessen is talking about, these continue to con just go crazy with cost. So far up that uh, eventually it's just going to be in the stratosphere and you won't be able to even get a radar fix on it anymore. Um, and, uh, oh, but don't worry, the Democrats will keep raising taxes. So it'll be harder to pay for it anyway. Um, but back to the article. Over time, he adds, the prices of regulated non-technological products rise while the prices of less regulated technologically, power, technologically powered products fall, which, which eats the economy. The regulated scenarios continuously grow as a percentage of GDP. The less regulated sectors shrink, he writes. At the limit, 99% of the economy will be the regulated, non-technological sectors, which is precisely where we are headed. 
Andreessen has made a similar argument before, uh, through uh, uh, though this weekend he used it in a different way in 2017. Speaking at a Recode conference, he divided the economy into a fast sector and a slow sector, the former being, quote, eaten by software, uh, as he famously put in the Wall Street Journal op-ed in 2011, and becoming more efficient with prices following accordingly. But in the slow sector... Elder care, child care, health care, education, construction, and government prices are rising fast, and there's almost no productivity growth as measured by economists. Quote, left unchecked, these, or those rather, sectors are basically just going to eat the economy, unquote. Uh, wow. Uh, and see, this is, again, when we start to see these kinds of stark uh, comparisons, when we start to see how things are seem to be shaping up. And to some degree, you have people who are contented, and I say that word only in the sense that they have technology, they have things that uh, they have, uh, uh, the, the, the big screen TVs or this or that, but where it's really going to count, and it, it will at some point with healthcare and education and so forth, that's where it's really starting to go off the rails. Okay, folks, quick break. Stay right there. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. A short time out, then back with more. So stay right there. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. Stay tuned for the Edwards Notebook right here on the Kyle Warren Show. Recently, my astute attention was drawn to a YouTube broadcast called The Crimson Cure, hosted by Kendra Davis. An episode particularly jarring was about how black females hate it when black men and boys are loved. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Crimson Cure host Kendra Davis revealed a sad story of ultimate hatred, abuse, and murder. Amira Osby, an eight-year-old Chicago girl, was recently murdered by her mother simply because she adored her dad. Little Amira was ordered by the court to endure joint custody arrangements between her father, who she loved, and her abusive mother. Amira had been on the radar of the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services since the age of three. Because of the bigoted nature of the courts, Amira's dad was not granted full custody because they would rather stick it to a good father than protect an innocent child from an abusive mother who finally deleted Amira because she loved her dad and wanted to stay with him. In May of 2022, Amira's mother tried to get her to drink bleach. Now a young girl is deleted and a father devastated. A situation that could have been easily avoided. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific to find out where. Go to theronedwards.com. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Right, welcome back, everybody. Kyle Warren with you. Welcome back as we continue racing through and rocketing through this Thursday edition of the program. And uh, don't forget, you can catch me later on this evening, 11 p.m. Pacific time. That'll be later Thursday night. And, of course, early Friday morning, that's 2 a.m. Eastern time uh, for the Captain's America Third Watch radio program. And, of course, the captain and I will be talking about the weather. We'll be talking about, um, of course, all the uh, political and news stories of the day. So, 
It's a lot of fun, too. Uh, we get a lot of great callers. Uh, we hear from people all around the country and in some cases around the world. And uh, we have an, an absolute blast uh, talking to you and talking about all the different breaking news, especially that happens overnight in America. So that's the Captain's America Third Watch dot com. Uh, you can go to KyleWarrenShow.com for links to listen there uh, to Captain Matt Bruce's flagship station of AM860, The Answer in Tampa. Also, we've got a link there for, to the uh, GCN network feed right there at KyleWarrenShow.com, or you can go to the Captain's America Third Watch.com. Now, these, um, uh, these uh, uh, videos that came out. Uh, for January the 6th that uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy had uh, delivered or given to uh, Tucker Carlson over at Fox News. It, th- these videos are incredibly illuminating. And, uh, of course, Tucker Carlson did a great job of explaining how they went through this footage, about 44,000 hours or so, if I'm correct, um, that uh, some of that was just, a lot of that, rather, was just irrelevant video, maybe static, uh, uh, you know, static uh, shots of rooms uh, where nobody's in them or nobody ever came in the room, um, and other kinds of things that just weren't pertinent to the events that we're focused on for January the 6th. Now, as I've said, of course, I don't believe anybody should have gone into the Capitol. I don't think uh, people should have should have done that. I don't think the process should have been disrupted or any of these kinds of things. But, and, and of course, some, some people did go there to do uh, some damage. They went there to, uh, to be violent or to do other kinds of things. I'm not going to get into all of the nuts and bolts of January 6th in this discussion because I want to talk about the video and its impact, its relevancy uh, to the overall issue. Um, but of course, what these videos do evidently show, and this is one of the great things that Tucker Carlson had pointed out, was that a lot of people were there and they weren't doing mayhem in the Capitol. They almost, you know, were sort of going through like they were walking through this, you know, this, uh, you know, this was this museum that they were very almost, quote unquote, reverent about it uh, being in the Capitol and so forth. Um, so but that again, that's not an excuse and this kind of thing. But what I think the major takeaway here is, is that the narrative that was built around this whole thing, because these videos were not seen by the public, all of a sudden it starts to appear very differently, at least for for some of these different cases. And in others, I think it would probably buttress the idea that somebody, that an individual was there, did something, did something untoward or violent or destructive. Um, and of course, we also know too that there were agitators that came there. There were these individuals who wanted to quote unquote start something, and uh, unfortunately, um, without the without these videos, uh, many in the Democrat Party elite and so forth, they were able to craft, at, along with many in the media, uh, to create a narrative about January the sixth that you don't really have the whole story. Brett Hume over at Fox News was talking to Brett Baer, I believe on Special Report uh, just recently, and Brett Hume had some very good uh, comments about this. Let's listen in right now to hear what Brett had to say. Uh, What a poor job the January 6th committee did. 
they had access to all of this information and they were very 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 selective in what they presented and they had a committee that was composed entirely of people chosen by Nancy Pelosi or approved of by Nancy Pelosi the Republicans didn't really have a say on that committee uh, and no one on that committee did any serious cross-examination nor did the member uh, any members of that committee insist on the videotape that we've been seeing from Tucker Carlson be aired as part of what the committee was doing uh, Tucker was able to construct an entirely different uh, narrative from that which was was presented by the committee uh, all of this would have been unnecessary if we'd had a normally composed properly balanced uh, committee on January 6th uh, the opportunity would have been there to present the video that Tucker used as well as what the members the other members of the committee wanted to use and this all would have been over and over and done and behind us they chose not to do that Kevin McCarthy, whose chosen members were not allowed to be on that committee, has now done what he's done. We see there is another side of the story that was never presented by the committee. So there you have uh, Britt Hume from Fox News uh, making some, I think, some very, uh, very good comments about this and um, and laying out this 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 notion again that the January 6th committee just really cherry picked what they wanted to allow you to see to have you see such that they could create the narrative that they wanted now i understand in politics it's it's about creating a message it's it's about creating a narrative in, in so many ways but the american people when they look at a historical event they want to be able to understand it. They want to be able to know the information about it. Now, this is not a direct one-to-one -one correspondence, and I understand that. But I simply make this comparison because, again, it shows the power of actual images of an actual event that you can then reevaluate um, what our perception is of that event or what the timetable might be or what happened uh, that uh, at the very least would not be necessarily in dispute. I mean, in other words, details of an, of an, of a, of an unfolding event. And again, I, I know it's not a one-to-one -one correspondence, but when John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas in 1963, there were accounts there were uh, sayings about it. There were it's certainly the Warren Commission, no relation. Uh, the Warren Commission interviewed all these people and they created um, a, a story about the assassination, right? Based on that. So, and a lot of people even at that time, I think, had reservations about it. I'm not going to get into the aspects of the Kennedy assassination in and of itself. But many years later, the Zepruder film surfaced. Right. It was taken that day by Abraham Zepruder um, on, I think it was, what was it, eight millimeter or 16 millimeter um, um, camera. But he made this, had this film. He was he was rolling when the terrible uh, event occurred. Um, but then everything changed in terms of our perception and our understanding of the Kennedy assassination. Um, and so the reason I make that comparison is because. In, in, a, in a likewise manner, and again, I know it's not a one-to-one -one correspondence, but the, the, uh, the narrative that was given by Schiff and Kinzinger and Liz Cheney and all, of, all the, you know, the happy band of, of, uh, of, of select committee members, they wanted to have only a particular thing. Um, they wanted to go after uh, the Republicans. They certainly want to go after Donald Trump. They want to go after literally, I think, I mean, ultimately, I think they want to go after anybody who ever voted for Trump. 
you know, it's like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll show you on this. Um, and, uh, so it, it becomes this, it becomes this thing where just like with the COVID-19 virus origin, um, anybody who even intimated back in the day, not that long ago, but back in the day that somehow COVID-19 might've come out of the Chinese Wuhan virology lab. Um, they were literally politically slapped down. Um, you know, you're a crackpot, um, you're, you're, you're anti-China evidently. If you, if you suspect that the Chinese, uh, the Chinese Wuhan virology lab could have anything to do with COVID-19. And of course, now we're getting more and more evidence. It's becoming much more widely accepted in the mainstream that that's exactly what happened. And the only, I think the only other question to answer at that point would be, was it deliberate or was it a mistake? And both of those things, are bad, as I've talked about on the program before. Both those things are bad because it could happen again, right? If if they're not, uh, if we don't get some kind of handle on this, we can't we can't have another virus circle the globe and cause the amount of death and destruction that the COVID nineteen virus has done. And and so it, and to have that narrative that it might have just been a bat, it, it jumped out of a bat somewhere. Um, it, it's it 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 actually puts the world at greater peril, and it kind of shows that the quote unquote elite. I'll just use that as a catch all term, and the quote unquote elite. I guess really don't care if there could be another pandemic because we ought to be trying to make sure this never happens again. Instead of sitting around going, well, I don't know, is today the day that another bat just you know gets us? I, I don't understand. I mean, this the, this is terrifying. It's terrifying. But under any other circumstances, we try to figure out the cause and we try to make sure it never happened again. Except for COVID-19, right? But also, so getting back to the January 6th thing, um, it, this is very, very important because a lot of this video is, is my understanding that this video obviously existed, uh, but it did not make it to uh, to defense of people who have been charged with certain things. Some people did some very bad things and they should be charged for that. But those who might have some exculpatory evidence in these videos and they never got a chance to air it in their defense, well, that's a travesty because that hurts us all, all of us, when our rights we are trampled. All right. Stay right there. We've got a lot more. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh. Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Hey, John, I just heard you got a new computer. Congratulations. Thanks. It's the coolest thing. What will you do with your old computer? I don't know. I guess I'll just throw it away. Well, my company just bought new computers, and we decided to donate the old PCs to a place that gives them to local schools. You could do something like that. Seriously, who would want a three-year-old computer? Hey, it might be great for someone else. 
Computers can be refurbished and reused instead of ending up in the trash. By passing it on, you can help the community and the environment. If you're replacing your company's IT equipment or you're finished using your personal computer, pass it on to a local organization that accepts computers. To learn more, log on to epa.gov slash pass it on. This message was brought to you by EPA, Dell, Intel, HP, NEC, Philips, and this radio station on behalf of EPA's plug-in to e-cycling partnership. EPA does not endorse any commercial services or products of these groups. For information on all partners, log on to epa.gov slash plug-in. In sports, five games were featured in Hockey Action last year. Every year, millions of people rely on portable generators when they lose access to electricity. But some of them don't understand that a portable generator's carbon monoxide emissions can kill if their generators are used indoors. So we're here to clear the air. Always take your generator outside, away from windows and doors. When you take it outside, you distance yourself from the dangers of carbon monoxide. For more safety tips, visit TakeYourGeneratorOutside.com. Have you saved a life today? We organize a blood drive at our school. My blood type is O. They really need that. Have you saved a life today? I have cancer, but I make sure all my friends know how important it is to give blood. My blood helps heart patients or accident victims. Have you saved a life today? No, but today, someone's blood saved my son. The American Red Cross. Call 1-800-GIVE-LIFE. Hi, folks. This is Kyle Warren. I'd like to hear from you about the things we're talking about on the program. Go to KyleWarrenShow.com, click on Send Kyle a Message, or send it to my Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Kyle Warren Show. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Welcome back as we continue racing through and rocketing through the Thursday edition of the program. We've got some breaking news of our own here on the program tonight, which I'm sure we'll be talking about later on on the Captain's America Third Watch. And that is that it appears that uh, Chinese President Xi... Uh, has now won an unprecedented third term. That's right, folks. I guess we filed this under the not surprised file. Uh, but this from CNBC, uh, breaking news, uh, Chinese leader Xi Jinping gained an unprecedented third term as president of the country on Friday. Xi rose through China's political ranks, becoming president in 2013 and abolishing term limits in 2018. At the Chinese Communist Party's 20th National Congress in October, Xi consolidated his control of the uh, ruling party by filling the highest circle of leadership with loyalists. After such party congresses, top leaders of the Chinese Communist Party then go on to fill government positions such as president and premier. Delegates on Friday approved a proposal to restructure the state council, the Chinese government's top executive body. Now, of course, we've also been following something this week, and that is that the Chinese premier is actually retiring. Um, and before the, I guess, the, the retirement age, uh, I guess, the, whatever they have. So, But the idea is this. Um, the Chinese premier was not so much of a loyalist 
to Xi Jinping. Um, he had been marginalized and sidelined for quite some time, we understand, and now is out of the picture. This, again, allows Xi Jinping to consolidate power and to create um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the purpose that he wants uh, to do. And as we look at what's happening with China, as we look at what's happening uh, with Russia, uh, it can only get a lot more concerning. That is that is for sure. China looks like they're going to be um, giving more uh, uh, aid uh, to Russia. Uh, it was interesting to me, too, because the Chinese had said that they wanted to come in and try to be some kind of peace broker in Ukraine, which uh, I don't know if you might have heard me on the Captain's America was that was the, uh, the idea that uh, you're going to have the Legion of Doom come in and negotiate between Lex Luthor and Superman, okay? This doesn't make any sense. But, of course, what was one of the first things the Chinese wanted to do? They wanted to lift the sanctions uh, off of Russia. we got to get these sanctions off of Russia. So China and Russia getting much closer. Um, their their um, goals might start aligning. Um, and, again, it begs the question about Taiwan. I, I do think that Xi's... Um, first order of business, the, the next big thing he wants to do is to reunite, quote unquote, with Taiwan. Um, so I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like that happening. I have been saying that the Biden administration, I think, is a ticking clock uh, because the Chinese, I think, will want to make some move prior to some other change, uh, whether it's another Democrat president or a Republican president coming up, uh, you know, winning in 2024 and then going into office in 2025. I think they want Biden. I, they just want Biden to be there. Um, and I and that's and that's also a very, very sad, concerning thing uh, to say. But now when we talk about Russia as well, uh, this is uh, this is quite interesting. Um, this is um, uh, an article I found about uh, Russian submarines uh, that are actually now off the coast. Uh, in some cases, uh, there there are a lot, but this is from Newsweek. Uh, throughout the war. Uh, which began when Putin landed a full-scale invasion of neighboring Ukraine last February, there, have, there has been a buildup of Russian Navy forces in the Black Sea. There has also been an increasing presence of Russian submarines off the U.S. coasts and in the Mediterranean, according to officials. The Russian Navy commands one of the most diverse submarine fleets in the world. Some are capable of carrying ballistic missiles with nuclear warheads, which Moscow ins, uh, considers rather key to its strategic deterrent. The nation has been working to improve its submarine fleet since the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991. Over the past several years, in particular, Moscow produced a series of submarines that have the capability to reach the most critical targets in the U.S. and continental Europe. In December, Putin said his country would be building more nuclear-powered submarines, which will ensure Russia's security for decades to come, quote-unquote. There are indications that a nuclear-powered submarines have been deploying off the coast of the United States and into the Mediterranean and elsewhere along Europe periphery. Michael Peterson, director of Russia Maritime Studies Institute, um, which uh, conducts research on Russian military and economic issues linked to the world's oceans, uh, as, he, as he told Newsweek. Um, their deployments, quote, mirror Soviet-style submarine deployments in the Cold War, unquote. Now... Russian nuclear submarines are nothing new, right? It's nothing new that they would be off the United States of America. But in this new world in which we live over the last year, where Russia invaded Ukraine, 
It was supposed to be a blitzkrieg. It was supposed to, supposed to be over in a couple of days, you know, comparatively uh, for Vladimir Putin. Uh, it was never supposed to drag on this long. But we continue to go to the same thing that we would have had in the Cold War. Okay? This idea that once hostilities begin... Now, right now, the Ukrainian defense forces are fighting the Russians. The United States, uh, many of our allies, of course, are supplying them uh, and with financial support and materiel. Uh, and, and we know that how that is working right now. But get, going back to the Cold War, the notion that if the Soviet Union were to invade Western Europe, the, you're going to fight for a while. You're going to fight with your tanks. You're going to fight with your with your ships. You're going to fight with your uh, planes and so forth. But at some point, and this is where there was a, um, a man named Gwyn Dyer, uh, pardon me, Wayne uh, Wayne Dyer, I believe, um, who wrote um, a very good um, series um, back in the day. It was called uh, War, and uh, he had a he had this this way of phrasing it, which always sort of stuck with me from those times in the mid '80s, and that was. You know, somebody's going to start losing this fight at some point. Somebody's going to start losing um, if if the United States and the then Soviet Union were to go toe to toe. Somebody's going to start losing, and that means that eventually it's going to turn into a nuclear war. Um, because back, especially back in those days, you had the the high tensions and so forth. But Vladimir Putin, whatever is going on with him, even medically, I think puts everybody in a very very bad position. Because, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, I think he wants to be Vlad the Great, and he wants to take over things, and he wants to either win or go down in a blaze of glory. But either way, he's still, to him, he's Vlad the Great, right? So it's difficult to see him turn around and go back um, if he's losing terribly, as, and we've even heard the Russians talking about possible use of nuclear weapons, um, threatening um, the Allies, threatening Europe, threatening the United States, and it goes on and on. And so now this, this particular thing coming about, about these Russian nuclear submarines with the nuclear missiles on them, coming into a much, even much closer proximity to the United States at this point, should be a great cause of concern, at least go into the mix of how we're evaluating where we're going with all this. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't think that World War III is a good idea. I, I, of course, I don't think that you would think that, but I don't think anybody thinks that, really. But the problem is, is that we can't even get to the point where we're thinking this is going to be somehow doable. And uh, if Vladimir Putin thinks it's doable... Well, we're all in for it. But at the same time, the Biden administration has to be forceful. You know, the, um, uh, the American president, Republican or Democrat, has to be incredibly forceful. And I think that we're primarily in this kind of situation because they believe that they've got Biden figured out. The Chinese certainly think they've got Biden figured out. Vladimir Putin has sized up Biden. And, oh, it was Donald Trump. Donald Trump was going to get us into a war. And this guy, well, Donald Trump didn't get us into a war. And, by the way, they they didn't invade anybody on, on Donald Trump's watch. Because, of course, if they did, they'd all, everybody would say, see, he was pro-Russia. And he was just helping Russia invade. And, of course, they invade on Biden's watch. And then it's, we, we must stand against this aggression and so forth. 
And, you know, it just it looks so bad. Right. That Biden uh, was the one uh, that uh, when when Russia decided to invade uh, Ukraine. But I don't think that they invaded Ukraine willy nilly. I think that they really did use the calculus that here's Joe Biden and he's going to uh, uh, he's not going to really do much of anything about this. I think that's how they figured it all out. All right, folks, thank you for listening to the program today. We will see you on the radio later tonight and right back here again next time. Until then, everybody out there around the globe. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Take care out there.